Hi, so I'm glad you're here. So we're going to jump in. Um, so it's, the title of today's talk is, um, Do You Like Yourself? And that's a really important um, idea because it's, it's really important that we like ourselves and that we value ourselves. And I think that uh, one of the sort of one of the mini campaigns that I've, I, I've uh, made is, is to try to cor- correct what I think is a great um, misunderstanding that takes place in, in some of the uh, Torah books that have been released. Um, the, the, the amount of Torah that's been released in, in English is, is phenomenal and fantastic and is to be celebrated endlessly. Um, but um, sometimes uh, certain key ideas, uh, well, I, I'm really just thinking of this one right now, it just kind of gets lost in the translation. So let me just um, start with that. So this, that's the idea of um, wiping out one's ego. And I think that what, what, people, what people can mistakenly uh, do when they read that is to think that I shouldn't think much of myself. Because um, they, they correlate the word ego with self-esteem. And they think that I don't want to make myself into a big shot. And, and that's true. One shouldn't be arrogant. Um, and, and but... What happens is a person loses self-esteem, and the thing is, is that a, 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 that's that is not that, that's the opposite of what the Torah wants. You see, God uh, fills the entire world, and all of us are His children, and He puts a soul into our bodies, which is an aspect of Himself. And so, when we look at each other, we're, we have to love each other because that's that's actually part of the mitzvah of loving God. But it's not just enough to love God. You have to love God and you have to love people too. See, some people just say, well, I love God. And they understand in the back of their mind that people have a soul, which is an aspect of God. But unless you love God and love people, you won't love people. One's love of God will only take you so far in terms of loving people. It gives you a push in the right direction, but when people get complicated, then, then all bets are off. So you have, it has to be a separate avoda, a separate aspect of your work in this world to love God and to love people and one way to do that is to see that people's that people have an aspect of God within them so it's an aspect of loving God okay but what about ourselves we also have a soul so a, a part of the aspect of loving God is also loving yourself because you have part of God in you so if you really actually want to love God you have to love your you, you have to love yourself you have to it's a mitzvah you know, so if you don't like yourself, it's like God says, what's wrong with me? Well, I have no problems with you. Well, you do, because you have a problem with you. <laughs> so we have to treasure the fact that we're, we are, you know, that we have an aspect of God with, within us. That, that's not a small thing. That's, that's, a, that's a giantly huge thing. Okay, so then what does it mean when you read about getting rid of your ego? You know, or mavatling yourself, or bitzel. These are all terms that are used. What, what, do, what does that mean exactly? So it's actually very straightforward. It's a very simple idea, basically. But you'll see it has tremendous depth, and we'll try to get into some of the aspects of it. What, what it means is that I don't ascribe power to myself that I don't have. It's a very simple concept. In other words, I understand God runs the world, and that everything comes from God, and that God is good, and... and, and and, and that he's involved in our lives. But that I don't take credit for things that, that, 
that really guides us. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful prayer in, in Nusach uh, Sfard, they say it every Shabbos. Among the Ashkenazim, we say it on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, where we go through the alphabet, and, uh, and there's a, a refrain, Lechai Olamim. Like, these attributes, we go through a list of attributes, and we say, all these things belong to the one who lives forever, which is a poetic reference to God. And one of the things that we say when we get up to the letter Chaf is, um, um, Ha-Keter ve-Ha-Kavod lechai olamim. The crown and all the covet, all the glory in the world belong to God. And so, so a person, if a person wants to take glory upon themselves, it's like, wait a second. Ha-Keter ve-Ha-Kavod lechai olamim. That's God's glory. What are you giving it to yourself for? Right? Don't steal from God. That's His. Okay, so, so that's a way of keeping yourself in check. Alright, so... So I have a piece of God in me, and, and so I, I have to love myself. I have to. And that's, the, and that's the engine, feeling good about yourself. See, we have a phrase in English, and we have a, a phrase in Hebrew also that, that's basically the same idea, which is that um, one mitzvah leads to another, or in English we say, success breeds success. So when you feel good about yourself, then you can do more things. Because you feel capable, and you feel good, and you feel accomplished, and you feel confident. I can, I can do more, and everything like that. Okay, so, so let's balance all these things. Because, because to implement this in, in the highest, deepest, most beautiful way, actually becomes very challenging. And because we run into fairly quickly, whether intellectually or emotionally, we run into a contradiction. And I've already hinted at it with this idea of ha-keter ver ha-kavud mean that all, that the crown and the glory belongs to Hashem. So if you're saying to me, wait a second, I have to feel accomplished and everything like that, but didn't you just say, like a moment ago, that everything belongs to God and it's God who's doing everything? So... So then how accomplished am I to begin with? I'm not accomplished at all. I didn't just do it. God did it. So, so how am I going to feel good about myself? How am I going to have self-esteem? How am I going to like myself more? So, so now I'm back to the same trap. The more religious, quote-unquote, I become, the, the less I think of myself. So, so how do I get out of this, this, this cycle? Is this what the Torah wants? It's not what the Torah wants. But one has to be guided through the process. Okay? So, so now let's, let's, let me give a real-life case history, okay, of working through this process. All right, so, so not, uh, I think it was this past week, this past week I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to uh, strengthen myself, I'm trying to cheer myself up because, you know, the, the world beats you down, the world beats you down. You know, we, we have, there's something very interesting in terms of uh, baseball batting averages. We, we want the most from ourselves. And, you know, we put so much work into various things. And we want things that we apply ourselves to to work out. Now, in, so that means that we want everything to work. So in baseball terms, that would be batting a thousand. That's what they call it, batting a thousand, which means that every time you get up to the plate, you get a hit. Right? So now, the greatest Hall of Famers in baseball the greatest Hall of Famers, if they have a batting average of 0.333, 333, that's enormous. 
That's enormous. In other words, if one out of every three times they actually get a hit, that's considered beyond Hall of Fame. Alright? You can get into the Hall of Fame with a lower batting average than that. And these are the greatest of the great. Okay? So in other words, in terms of... Part of, part of the issue is, is creating realistic expectations of what we can expect from ourselves. Because if we've got these crazy expectations of ourselves, these are just invitations for us to essentially hate ourselves. Because we'll constantly not meet up to our expectations, and we'll constantly beat ourselves up. And then what kind of life is that? It's certainly not the life that God envisions for us. So, so the thing is, is that we, you know, so, 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 so that means if two out of three times I'm going to fail, and that's normal, and that's normal, that means that I've got to live a life and I've got to create a psychological um, frame of mind. I've got to create a frame of mind where, where failure, or even regular failure, is, is not a contradiction to ultimate success. It's just, I just understand, this is just the process. And so, so that means that, that if the majority of the times it's not going to work, I better, and we'd better, have a system in place within ourselves where we've got good air conditioning, otherwise our brains are going to fry. You know, we've got a like, really good internal air conditioning system, you know, where it sort of like cools off all the problems as they come. Okay? So... So that means you have to positively reinforce yourself. You have to say, you have to know what to tell yourself. And you have to have a really good, you know, a lot of people have like a tape player in their mind all the time. You're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. You're not. We have to have the opposite. You have to have the, the opposite. And, and one can work on that and one, and one can get that. One can achieve that. And if one can't achieve that, then one has to go into therapy in order to reach that. Because you can't afford not to be sending yourself positive messages on a regular, daily basis. Daily basis. It is essential. It is essential. Um, okay. So, so, I was trying to say something positive to myself. And I thought of something, and I don't even remember what it was, but I helped someone in some way. And I don't remember who or how, but I helped someone. And... I thought, okay, that was good. That was a good thing. I did that. That was good. That helped him. That was a good thing. And I was feeling better. It's like, okay, that's good. And then I thought to myself, um, well, wait a second. I didn't do that. God did that. Right? Who am I? God did that. And so I thought, oh, well, okay. All right, that's true. So I was kind of back at square one. And then I thought, well, wait a second. God could have done it through anyone, but he did it through me. And then I felt better. I thought, okay, God did it through me. So, so that's meaningful. It's very, very meaningful. And then I thought to myself, but wait a second. But God still did it. I didn't do it. And then I thought to myself, well, oh, wait a second. It's true God did it, and I didn't do it. It's true. God did it, and I did not do it. But you know what? God let me watch him do it. 
And I thought, wow, well, that's, that, that, that's more intense. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I want to develop that idea further. But I just want to give you now a concrete example. Because I've had this idea before, but I never had it in the way that I'm about to tell it to you. I'm going to go into more depth in it. Which is that, um, you know, one time, and, and this is a very high, high kavana, very high intention to have while you're doing something, but I, I recommend trying to do this as, as much as you can, because it's, it's awesome, actually. I remember I, I was giving uh, some food to someone on the street. I, I giving, you know, a guy was sitting on the sidewalk, whatever it was, and I gave him a banana. And uh, he took it, and, you know, so that was, that was food for him to eat. And I was thinking, okay, wow, God, thank you so much. You allowed me to watch that banana, which was sitting on my kitchen counter, you, you allowed me to watch you feed that person. It was on my kitchen counter and it went to him on that sidewalk and you let me view that entire process. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And just like you're taking care of him, you're also taking care of me. Okay, so now, so you see, you see, what this allows you to do, and I'm going to go further into it, but what this allows you to do is just to keep track and, and recap the, the thought. Because what I said was, what I said was initially, was that sooner or later, whether intellectually or emotionally, a person is going to hit a roadblock. If, on the one hand, they want to value themselves, and on the other hand, they understand in the deepest, truest way that God is doing everything in the world, and God is running the world. So how do I feel good about myself if, if, if on the deepest, deepest level, God is doing everything, right? So what we, just, what we just showed here is that if God does something through you, that's a tremendous merit. It's a tremendous merit. One has to merit that God does something through them. It says in the Gomorrah that God does good things through good people and bad things through bad people. So that means if you were the gateway for goodness to come into the world, that's an affirmation from God himself that you're good. Because one only gets to be the gateway through which good comes into the world by being good. So God... So that's a great thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay. So, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually driving towards something deeper here. And I don't know if we're ready to say the thought yet, but I'll say it now and with the, with the caveat that I'm going to explain it further in a little bit. Which is that what this allows you to do, and we'll get more into this, but what this allows you to do, this, this frame of mind that I'm suggesting, is it allows you to be there and be completely absent at the same time. To actually do something yourself and that simultaneously you're disappearing into God. And just God is doing it. But you're also doing it. So you're there and you're not there simultaneously. And this is, this is an exalted state. This is an exalted state. And we're going to get into it a little bit further. We're going to show you how this was what, what King David, what David HaMelech did 
okay? And how there's like a Mashiachtic consciousness to this in, 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 in a little bit. We'll get to it. So, so now, imagine, because I want to just uh, go further into this, what it means to be able to watch, to, to be there and watch God do something that's happened through you. Um, uh, I want to go further into this. And so I imagined a conversation between two friends who are one-upping each other. Okay? So, so uh, one says to the other, uh, hey, uh, you know, imagine whatever your favorite uh, music group is. Okay? Hey, did you get the new album? The new CD? Oh, no, I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, man, it's awesome. You can't even believe it. It's so good. It's fantastic. And then the other person, you know, is like not feeling as good because he didn't get the new, the new CD, right? And, but he did. And he's heard the tracks. And it's like, wow, you know. And then the, uh, the person says, no, I haven't gotten it yet. But, um, but are you going to the show? I got, I got tickets to the concert, right? And the, the person goes, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, actually, I am going to the show. All right. Oh, really? He goes, uh, he goes, yeah, actually, I am going to the show and I've got uh, first row seats. So uh, what, what are your seats? It's like, oh, well, they're not first row. <laughs> um, so so this person says, OK, so I got first row seats. And, they, and he says back to him, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be right up there watching them play and everything like that. And it's like, OK, oh, OK. Yeah, no, I haven't got that. And he goes, well, that's too bad. And he goes, yeah. He goes, but you know something? It's not as important to me. He goes, oh, really? Why is that? He goes, because, you know, they invited me to the sound studio when they were recording the album. (laughs) And I was actually in there with them during the sessions. (laughs) I watched them make the music. And it's like, oh. (laughs) Game over. That's it. Can't beat that. Cannot beat that. You were in the session with them watching, you know, you know, when you see those documentaries, the guy was sitting on the couch while everyone else was working and doing it. That was you. Alright? That is a level of intimacy and closeness that cannot be topped. Watching someone while they're working and creating. This is what God gives us the opportunity. When we do a mitzvah, we're watching him work. We're in there at the session itself. We're watching him do the chesed. And what's even more awesome is he's doing it through us. We become the instrument. We become the instrument through which the music is made. We're right there. We're right there. We're right there. While God is creating the world. So, let me, let me just sort of like pull back focus just just to give you a sense. The world, meaning time and space, was created on the 25th of Elul. That's the first day of creation. That's not Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year, which is the anniversary of the creation of the universe. That's not Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the sixth day of creation. That's when man and woman were created. And why do we, why do we celebrate the, the creation of the world when human beings were created? Because the world was created for the sake of human beings, for us to do all this awesome stuff. 
all this incredible fixing. That's the sixth step. So then you should say, okay, well, that's then, that's then the finishing of the world, right? But it's not. The seventh day is Shabbos. The seventh day is Shabbos. That's the perfection of the world. You see, human beings were created right before the perfection of the world. And our job is to be partners with God on the sixth day to get to the seventh day. Right? You know, it's interesting. If you think of making a baby, right? What, what work the man does and what work the woman does. It's kind of a little out of whack. You know, if you think about it, the man's job is, you know, short. And the woman's job is very, very long. You know, and, uh, and with terrible pain and suffering at the end. You know, God forbid, but that's, that, that's the normal process. So, so, you know, when you think about it, we're partners with God in terms of birthing this ear of perfection. Right? And when were we created? A few hours before Shabbos. <laughs> I mean, our job is, so to speak, tiny compared to what God is doing. God is doing this massive thing, and yet He allows us to be partners with Him. It's an incredible, an incredible thing. You know, usually, usually we think of Klal Yisrael, the nation of Israel, as being the bride. We're the kala. In this conception, we're the, we're the male. You know? But, but anyway, we are an essential... We're an essential process on the sixth day to bring about the perfection of the world. Okay? So, so God allows us to view firsthand His work in this world and to actually be the instruments through which the perfection of the world comes through. So now, all of a sudden, the idea that it's God doing it but I'm there and I'm watching him work and it's happening through me. Now, all of a sudden, that's awesome. That's not a, a reason for me to say, oh, who am I? What am I doing? Man, I'm right there. I'm the instrument through which the song is being played. That's everything. That's everything. But it's everything, but it's in context. Right? You see how essential you are to the process, but you don't have an overblown notion of how essential you are to the process. And yet you realize it can't be done without you, but you realize it's not just about you. So it's a beautiful balance. It's a beautiful just envisioning of what our role is and how we can feel great about it, but at the same time, not ascribing power to ourselves that we don't have. But that becomes irrelevant, because why would I want to? You know what I mean? If I'm the diamond band, why do I have to be the gemstone also? I'm so happy to be, uh, not the diamond band, the gold band. If I'm the, you know, if I'm the, if I'm the ring, what do I have to be the gemstone also? I'm so happy to be w- one with this ring. To be the, 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 the context through which this, this gemstone is presented to the world. You know, I don't have to be both. I don't have to be both. It's, ir- it's irrelevant. I'm there. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an essential part of the process. All right, now listen. Now I want to show you something. One of my all-time, 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 all-time favorite teachings. Now, this I'm getting from, I'm going to read to you from um, World Mask by Rabbi Kiva Tass. And if you, uh, 
Everyone here has uh, classes. They're the best, best, best. T A T Z. You can Google that, and simple you'll to remember. yeah. Like Seventy-five classes. Okay, so simple to is is uh, or 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 O R G, but also Rabbi Tatz has his own site too. Okay. So that's um, you'll you'll grow enormously. Okay, um, I've benefited tremendously. So um, anyway, so this is called World Mask, and I'm reading to you from uh, page 45. I'm just going to cut to the heart of this teaching. He fleshes this out more, but I'm just going to give you the highlights here. Okay? So what, what, what this Medrash is talking about is one's mindset in terms of being involved in the world and yet understanding simultaneously that God runs the world. Okay? So let's see it in a more classical presentation. All right. Uh, King David, King Asa, King Jehoshaphat, and King Chizkiyahu each requested Hashem's help in different ways. Each requested a different degree of divine intervention. I don't know if I mentioned that this is page 45. Okay. King David said, I shall pursue my enemies and overtake them, and I shall not return until I have destroyed them. States the Medrash, Hashem said to him, I shall do it. And that is what happened. David pursued the enemy and destroyed them with divine assistance. Okay, that's the first one. Next level. King Asa said, I do not have the power to destroy them. Rather, I shall pursue them and you do it. Meaning Hashem, you do it. And Hashem answered him thus, I shall do it. Asa pursued the enemy and Hashem destroyed them. Okay. King Jehoshaphat said, I don't have the power to destroy or even to pursue them. Rather, I shall sing in prayer and praise and you do it. And Hashem said, I shall do it. Jehoshaphat sang, and the enemy was defeated without any military action on his part. Okay, these are all examples from, from the Torah. Okay? Okay, now the last level. King Chizkiyahu said, I don't have the power to destroy or pursue or even to sing. Rather, I shall sleep upon my bed, and you do it. And Hashem said, I shall do it. Chizkiyahu slept, and a miraculous defeat of the enemy occurred during the night. That's, by the way, that's, that's, we talk about that on uh, Pesach, at the end of the Haggadah, one of the greatest miracles, Jerusalem was surrounded by the army of Sancherev, who had exiled the ten tribes of Egypt, and we talk about the ten lost tribes, it was because of this battle, Sancherev had already gone through northern Israel, and wiped out the ten tribes, exiled them, and now he was about to finish off Israel, and that's this episode right here. Chizkiyahu said, man, I can't even get out of bed. And God said, I'll do it. And Hashem sent a plague and wiped them all out. Right? And that was at midnight on the 15th of Nisan, on Pesach night. Okay, one of the great, great miracles that happened on Pesach. The 15th of Nisan, it's known as Pesach. No one calls it the 15th of Nisan. But the 15th of Nisan is the miracle night in, of the entire Jewish calendar. It's a totally awesome. Anyway, now listen to this. I'm skipping ahead a little bit. At first glance, it may seem that we are considering increasing levels of spiritual greatness, right? Because you would imagine King Chizkiyahu, who, who doesn't even wake up, he must be the greatest of them all. King David must expend much effort in order to achieve results. King Asa less and so on. After all, King Asa is favored with a miracle, unlike King David. And King Chizkiyahu 
who needs the least effort witness the greatest miracle. Right? But the truth is exactly the opposite. Alright, now listen to this. And you'll see, try to connect it with what we've been learning up until now. But the truth is exactly the opposite. As our analysis of the underlying theme should have made clear, King David at his supernal level conducts himself within the natural realm exactly as if all consequences depend on his actions entirely. And while he is doing so, he is constantly expressing the idea that his actions are not the true cause of all. Are not the true cause at all. He is using human actions to break the belief in those actions. With every flicker of every movement, he declares to himself and to the world that it is only Hashem who acts in reality. Before he makes a move, states the Medrash, David calls on Hashem to do it all. Only then, when it is clear that whatever results is entirely Hashem's doing, does David act. And then he goes on to say, this is in fact exactly what David represents, the function of the Mashiach, the Messianic king whose essence lies in the person of David himself, is to demonstrate Hashem's presence in the world. Okay, so, in other words, in other words, the idea is that that you're out there and you're doing, but you're but but because you've made clear that you're acting the name of Hashem, in the name of Hashem, right? You become this billboard showing that it's really Hashem at work. But but this is the world of action. All of us have to play a role. So we have to work and we have to roll up our sleeves, but not because we're doing it, because we're making ourselves the vehicle through which Hashem is doing it. And we become the advertisement of the oneness and the greatness of Hashem. And there's no contradiction to our role and the meaningfulness of our actions because it's through us that it's happening. And as we said in the Gomorrah, it says good things happen through good people and bad things happen through bad people. So if it takes place through you, that's the greatest endorsement and the greatest hug from Hashem that He values you and that He loves you. So, so we'll stop here. We'll stop here. And go ahead. But I was going to say, to add on to that, during the six-day war, I think the Yom Kippur war, there were some fighter pilots and some other soldiers also that experienced miraculous. They fire one missile in one plane. And it would hit that plane and blow up, and two or three other planes would crash into the ground. <laughs> and, and four, five, six, something of the wire missile, and four planes would go down, or something like that. And they were afraid to tell their commanding officer when they got back to the commanding officer, this doesn't make sense. There must be something wrong. Your mind must not be functioning right, and they would be temporarily would be furloughed. Furloughed, they would, they would be removed from their position. So they were actually afraid to tell because they saw miracles. They saw miracles. And uh, afterwards, they explained that we saw these miracles. We were actually afraid. Some of them actually told us, and the commanding officers were really said, you know, they were really this couldn't be. How is this possible? You know, and uh, uh, um, I, I'm sorry, I wanted to add. I had the you know, if I had to, 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 if I had
They were, they were believing, but the commanding officer was not, you know, they, they saw they had a Hashem already, and not, they were afraid to tell, tell that to the commanding officer. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so, m- maybe we can conclude with the idea that uh, with a decision, with a decision to be optimistic. You see, think of it this way. We're really in a relationship with God. That's the whole point. And it really is a, you know, the deepest... There are many paradigms. There's, 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 there's father and child. There's even mother and child. Um, there's servant and master. There are many paradigms, but the deepest paradigm comes from Song of Songs, which is essentially husband and wife, which is essentially two lovers. This is the, this is the, the deepest, most exalted understanding of what our relationship with, with, with Hashem is. So, in that context, in that context, what if, um, what if your partner comes through for you in, in, in the way that you could have only dreamed of and only imagined, right? And then you, um, you know, just to give a very, very prosaic example, and I know this is not a good example, but anyway, um, you open up the door and you're depressed all day and... and uh, they show up with flowers, right, and, and say, happy anniversary. And, and you go, and they see the expression on your face, and you're so surprised that they remembered. And they say, did you think I, you, you thought I forgot? In other words, there's something sad about something good happening and being shocked and delighted <laughs> by the good thing that happens. There's something sad about that. You know? And like I say, I, I'm saying this with a full of acknowledgement of the fact that things go wrong more often than they go right. I am fully aware of that as I'm saying this. Right? We gave that example of like if you get one out of three, you're in the Hall of Fame by far. And yet, on the other hand, there's something a little bit tragic about a relationship if one party does something right and the other party is shocked and surprised. So you know what? What happens? All of us are praying for different things. What happens if you get that thing? God gives you that thing, that thing that you want, and he looks at you and you're so, you're like speechless. That says... Did you think I wasn't with you every step of the way? Did you think I wasn't hearing all of your prayers for that thing? Did you think that I didn't know how much you wanted it? Did you think that I didn't also want it for you? You're so surprised? Is that what you think of me? So, you know what? I want to be optimistic. Because I don't want to be surprised when it happens. I don't want to set myself up for disappointment and I want to protect myself and I don't want to take anything for granted and I don't want to just ascribe power to myself that I don't have and I want to be humble. But at the same time, I don't want to be shocked because being shocked is an insult. Being shocked is an insult. So I don't want to do that. So 
I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic because I don't want to be surprised when it happens. Okay. Have a great week.